There's a new podcast app that delivers chilling true crime stories straight to your mobile device. Every day they release a new episode that investigate the gruesome true acts of America's worst serial killers. And you can explore into the minds of psychopaths and murderers. To get started, find and download Murder Minute from the App Store or visit MurderMinute.com. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-M-I-N-U-T-E.com to get your daily dose of true crime creepiness delivered straight to your mobile device. It's a good show. Hey, what's up, everybody? (laughs) As you can hear by the sound of that motorcycle, I am in my car trying to crank out a new episode um, with very, very little, (laughs) very little time, very limited on what I can do today, literally having to record from my car. Um... Yeah, so let's see. All right, everything seems to be recording. Sorry, it's also a million degrees outside, so uh, the engine is running. (laughs) The air is turned down very low, but also very cold. You may, I don't know what you can or can't hear. I have headphones on at the moment. I think everything sounds actually good. I think it actually sounds better than when I record in my noisy-ass kitchen. But I have to hurry this up. I have to get to an audition. My car is in the shop. My truck. That's going to cost me a gajillion dollars. Um, yeah, it's uh, my car I dropped off yesterday... Oh, this is crazy. I dropped my car off. Um, on my way to drop my car off because it, it was overheating. My car was overheating and um, needs a new intake manifold. The brakes, if I'm going over 50 and I have to put on the brakes fairly suddenly, as I'm slowing, uh, the steering wheel just shakes like crazy. Um, so I need to put new, uh, new rotors on the front. The, the, the brakes are all fucked up. So I'm getting new brakes, uh, intake manifold. It's going to cost me a million dollars. But yesterday when I was taking my car and my truck, sorry, the same thing. When I was taking it in, I, uh, was on my way to the auto mechanics and I made a very sharp right turn. And I was a little too close to the curb when I was doing it. And so I caught my back tire on the corner, on the curb, and uh, tore a massive hole in my uh, in my tire. So I'm also getting a new tire put on. Boy, when it rains, it pours. Um, I took um, I took a Zantac this morning. I sound better i'm also not in my dusty old apartment but uh i've been taking zantac fairly regularly over the past week and um notice a huge difference thank you (laughs) um so that's better my eyes are better i'm still playing video games a little bit at night before i go to bed but uh 
been using these lubricating eye drops that are for like eye strain and uh, itchy eye, red itchy eyes and um, lubricating eye drops. And uh, my eyes feel good, real good. I'm treating my eyes nice. <laughs> um, oh, God. I had so much to do today. This is such a... I wish I could just sit. I need to book... Um, well, you really can't hear the cars. Hold on. Getting an email from my agent. Sorry, guys. This is me multitasking. Anyway, um, where was I? <laughs> treating my eye I'm treating my eyes nice um I forgot where I was about to go before uh, I got that email but um yeah eyes are good uh allergies seem to be under control when I'm taking um the Zantac I took Claritin one day I can't tell the difference between the two they both seem to work they do the job <clears throat> and no I'm not getting paid to say this um, eyes good, allergies good, feet better. My feet haven't been hurting. What's happening, guys? Is, is the end of summer also the end of my woes? That's absolutely not true because flu season is approaching. And that uh, just heightens my, um, it, above anything else, it heightens my anxiety. It just makes me not want to travel. It makes me terrified when I'm traveling. It's when my OCD kicks in and I start. By the way, I wanted to say, I just remembered this the other day. I don't know if I mentioned this on the last podcast or not. I don't think I did. I, I just recently remembered that I had, when I was, I think I was still in college. I was in my 20s. I had about of OCD. It's really weird because it came on out of nowhere, was really extreme, like fucking really extreme. And then just ended like I didn't seek help. I didn't at the time I, I probably wasn't even aware what OCD was obsessive compulsive disorder. But, uh, I had this thing and this is a really common one where I, couldn't stop washing my hands which is really weird even though I'm a germ germaphobe I'm a pretty filthy person <laughs> wait that might be the title <laughs> even though I'm a germaphobe I'm a pretty filthy person even I'm writing it down even though I'm a germa Phobe. It's not gonna. It's not gonna recognize that. I'm uh, pretty. Sorry, I have to do this now because I won't have time uh, to listen to this later and find a, a title. Um. Yeah, I. Uh, I'll wash my hands after I go to the bathroom, but. 
And sometimes if I'm doing like stand-up comedy or something where I have to shake a lot of people's hands afterwards, I'll wash my hands then or use Purell, but I'm not a guy that's like constantly washing <laughs> washing my hands, to be more specific. Um, although sometimes, I got to say, sometimes when I'm depressed, when I have depression, um, and this is really fucked, I have seasonal depression it usually gets bad over the holidays. So I'm not looking forward to the holidays, but who knows? Um, when I get super depressed when the depression really, <laughs> it's just a loud car. When the depression kicks in, I don't want to do anything. And that includes cleaning my apartment. It includes shower. It in really includes taking care of myself. Like I can just lay in bed or lay on the couch for like a week and not even take a shower. Like, depression is fucked. You just don't want to do anything. Um, anyway, I'm off topic here. That's for another uh, episode. Um, I went through this period in my 20s, and it was probably a, a little less than a year. Maybe it was a year when I was like 24 or 25. I couldn't. And I don't know what brought it on. I don't remember what brought it on. But I remember I was playing in bands at the time. I was a musician. I was playing in a lot of bands. And um, I would stop in the middle of rehearsals to say I had to go to the bathroom. And then I would go to the bathroom, but I wouldn't go to the bathroom. I wouldn't pee or anything. I would go into the bathroom and just wash my hands. And then after rehearsal, I would wash my hands. After touching nothing but my bass guitar, I would wake up in the morning. I would just wash my hands. I was probably washing my hands like 15 to 20 times a day, like which is crazy for me. I don't know. <laughs> How often do you wash your hands? I guess it depends on what you're doing. Like if you're out in public touching a lot of shit, maybe more often. Maybe even more than 50. I was just constantly washing my hands. And I knew while I was doing it that it was weird. I don't think I knew OCD. I don't think I was aware of really what OCD was. It was my early 20s. There wasn't internet yet. I was just like... But I was like, something's wrong. I remember thinking, something's wrong. Why... Am I just, I wouldn't even think about it. It wasn't like I got to wash. I would just do it. And then, uh, I don't remember what brought it on. And I also don't remember what stopped it. I just stopped washing my, <laughs> hey, you, you know, when you get to a certain age where you realize you just don't have to wash your hands no more. I just stopped washing my hands constantly. I did it when I have, I do it when I have to. But um, that was weird. I don't know what brought this on other than the fact that I'm just remembering thinking about it. Um, so I feel so weird doing this in my car. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. Flu season. <laughs> I, I just get off on tangents here. Um yeah, flu season's coming up, so that's a drag. I just wish I wasn't a germaphobe. 
I I also wish that I wasn't a hypochondriac, obviously, although this podcast would not exist. I don't know. We're going to do some listener emails. I have a lot of listener emails to get to you. Good ones, too. Uh, let's just get into that. Oh, God. I have to go drop off. I'm in a rental car. So I have to go drop off my car, um, rental car, go get a lift to my fixed, hopefully fixed car, truck, go home, record ads for this week, upload this podcast, send it off to Starburns, print my lines for this audition, then drive over to the east side to do this audition at 3.30. Oh my God. Just the more I think about it, the more stressed I start getting. That's not good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else medically. Oh, look at that. I can see uh, my auto mechanic called. I love my auto mechanic, by the way. When you find a good auto mechanic, you got to stick with them. I had an auto mechanic for years uh, here in the Valley in Los Angeles, and um, he was uh, a guy from New Zealand, really old, full-on dirty old man, like really inappropriate, like had Playboys and stuff laying all over his desk when you'd walk into his office to drop off your keys and just really uh, inappropriately dirty. Uh, but a great mechanic and super honest. And his his lot, the parking lot at his office, at his uh, shop, was always packed. Like, always. I remember I had a problem where my window wouldn't roll up or down. And I took it to, like, four or five different places. And they were all like, this is going to be, like, $500. We have to uh, switch out the motor. Everyone was saying the same thing. Then my friend told me about this place in the valley. And I went to it. And, um, I pulled up and the guy like opened my door and he's like, he's like, turn on your engine. And he checked it out and he opened up like a panel on the inside of the door, went into his shop, got a tool, came out, fucked around for like two minutes and said, now try it. And it rolled up and down and he goes, just give me 25 bucks. And that was, and that was the beginning. I was like, I am always taking my car to this guy, and I did for years, for like a decade. And then he just got really old and started getting a little senile. And it's kind of sad now. You drive by the parking lot and of his uh, shop, and it's fairly, fairly vacant. That's a bummer. Anyway. I have a new guy in uh, Hollywood, like off of Highland and Fountain, a place called, I'll, I'll give him free advertising, called Ori's, O-R-I apostrophe S, and uh, they do everything, and they are so fucking honest. My friend Jerry told me about him, and uh, I was like, I went in, and he's the same way, he's just like, if it doesn't need a ton of shit done to your car, he doesn't do it, he does what it has to be done and they're very cheap although the stuff I'm having done now is gonna 
run me a bunch of money, which I guess happens once in a while when you've had a car long enough. Anyway, um, I don't know where I'm going with this other than I like my mechanic. Oh, yeah, when you find a good mechanic, you got to stick with him. <laughs> what? what does that got to do with medicine? I guess the same uh, goes for everything. If you find a doctor that you love, Jesus Christ, stick with them. Um, oh, I also just got a text message from CVS Pharmacy. My prescription order is ready for my antidepressants, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, let's do some emails. Let's do some emails here in my rental car. I do like that I'm fairly close to an intersection, so when the light turns red and enough cars stop, someone will inevitably be right next to me, and they look over and just see a dude in, the, in his car by himself with headphones on <laughs> talking into a microphone. And I know they're just like, yeah, look, this is so L.A., I bet you that asshole's recording a podcast. I'll bet you that guy's a comedian and he's recording a podcast about fucking shoes. Or <laughs> Everyone has a podcast. Jesus Christ. How long can I keep doing this? Uh, all right. And I will again say... Um, if you have anything you want me to talk about on the podcast, if you have any stories you'd like read uh, or just want to say hi, you can email me and busy <laughs> at nodocspodcast at gmail.com. That's N-O-D-O-C-S podcast at gmail.com. And um, maybe I'll read your email on the air. On the air, on the podcast. <laughs> this is not going out on the air at all. Hey, everybody. As you all know, I am uh, heavily into meditation. I'm a big proponent of meditation. I think meditation really helps with so many aspects of life. That's why I'm excited to partner with Calm. 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 The number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was even named Apple's 2017 App of the Year. Calm gives you the tools you need to live a happier, healthier, and more mindful life. Just five minutes of Calm can change your whole day. If you head to calm.com slash nodocs, that's N-O-D-O-C-S, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, focus, and relationships, including a brand new meditation each day called the Daily Calm. Sleep stories, they're like bedtime stories for grown-ups, and so much more. So for a limited time, We're No Doctors listeners can get a 25% off Calm premium subscription at Calm dot com slash no docs it includes unlimited access to all of calm's amazing content get started today at calm.com no docs that's c-a-l-m dot com c-o-m slash no docs thanks 
Um, God damn, there's a lot. Oh, here's one about shingles. It's from a listener named Nicolette. Which, by the way, did you know, Nicolette, your name means little Nicole. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. It's, um, you know, I found out uh, years ago, and I never even thought about this, um, cigarette. And it just hit me like <laughs> driving in my car or something. Um, I was like thinking of the word cigarette. I'm like, what? Do, why? Why do certain things have certain words? How'd they get their names? And then uh, I was thinking about the word cigarette, and I'm like, holy shit! Et means little. E t t e means little. So cigarettes mean little cigars, which is a perfect name for them. They are little cigars. Only you inhale them. But that's an aptly named uh, product. Cigarette. Little cigar. So Nicolette. (laughs) I'm just going to, for the remainder of this email, call you Little Nicole. (laughs) I amuse myself disturbingly. Uh, the subject in the of this is shingles. Um, okay, let's see. Hey, Steve, and in parentheses, and busy. I'm catching up on old episodes, and you keep talking about your friend who you want to have on that had shingles. My senior year of high school, I got shingles really bad. It started with an insane headache, in parentheses. This was before I drank coffee and never got headaches. I finally went to the doctor a couple days later because I was just feeling terrible all over. I told the doctor my symptoms, headache and fatigue, and he asked if there was anything else that was weird. I had this tiny red spot on the underside of my arm. I showed him, and he immediately diagnosed me with shingles. I don't remember the exact timeline, but shortly after, my body was on fire. Shingles usually hits one specific area, and mine was right was on my right ribs exactly where my bra sits. I had to skip school because the rash was causing so much pain. I remember having to wear giant t-shirts I could hold away from my body so nothing touched it. The doctor gave me some sort of pills and eventually it went away. I pray to all the gods I never have to experience that again. But wait, there's more. A couple of years later, my brother got shingles too, but not nearly as bad. It's pretty bizarre because shingles is typically associated with people, with old people. We both are relatively healthy people, so I have no clue what the deal was. Neither of our parents recall having shingles when they were younger either. Anywho, can't wait to hear your friend's story and keep up the good work. Little Nicole. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding, Nicolette. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm still obsessed with uh, shingles, and I have to get Esther on this podcast. Um. I, I I just want to know what am I supposed to uh, get this vaccine or not? Ugh. Here's one from Janice, and the topic is nosebleed equals stroke. 
warning signs. By the way, I just have to look and see if this is still recording. Yep. Sorry, I get paranoid, you know, because I've had batteries die or SD cards fill up. So every now and then I just freak out and I'm like, oh, is it recording? By the way, we are recording, obviously, because you're hearing this now. Uh, so the subject is nosebleed equals stroke warning signs, question mark. Hi, Stephen Busy. I absolutely love your podcast and have been listening to you since the very beginning. I love to hear your stories and I love listener emails. It's nice to hear that I'm not the only paranoid person when it comes to my health. I did want to share my mum's. Oh, you must be uh, not from the Americas if you said mum. I did want to share my mum's story with you. This is pretty lengthy, but here goes. At the age of 49, 10 days from her 50th birthday, she suffered a major hemorrhagic, hemorrhagic stroke. Oh, boy. This is, uh, <laughs> this is already freaking me out because I'm 49. Uh, she had previously been diagnosed with high blood pressure and was on and off medication to combat it. She also suffered from debilitating nosebleeds. They were so bad they would last for days. She would eventually have to go to the hospital to have her nose cauterized. Jesus. And even then, sometimes they had to do it a few times before it worked. Ugh. I'm also terrified of nosebleeds. I... I have my own nosebleed story I will tell at the end of this. At the time, we didn't know that the nosebleeds she was having were connected to her high blood pressure, but they were. They eventually slowed down and even stopped. She had even commented to me a couple of days before she had the stroke that she was surprised she hadn't had one lately. The nosebleeds were released when her blood pressure was getting too high. What happened this time instead of release through the nose, it moved up into the brain and exploded. The day of the stroke, she woke up feeling funny. Actually, she was numb on the entire right side of her body. Thankfully, my sister was was li still living at my parents and was there to help. My mom was uh, completely coherent, awake, and could speak. To look at her, you wouldn't know there was anything wrong. My sister called 911, and they suggested that maybe my mom slept funny. My mom knew there was something wrong and asked that they come. Uh, they transported my mom to the hospital. She remembers getting in the ambulance and hearing the sirens while they moved, but doesn't remember anything else that happened to her until 11 days later. Oy. I was the first to the hospital when I got there. My mom was in a triage room. When I got to her room, she hadn't seen, been seen by anybody yet and was just sitting on the bed. She was happy to see me. Again, she was completely coherent, awake, and could speak. I did notice that her right hand was formed into a fist and it was curled up against her chest as soon as I saw that I knew there was something seriously wrong with her she did tell me that she knew it was she knew it was bad but didn't know what was going on she said she had to go to the bathroom and could I help her because she had no feeling on the left side of her body I couldn't get her off the bed on my own so I called for the nurse to come up and help I told the nurse she needed to go to the bathroom uh could she help instead the nurse handed handed me a bedpan. My mom looked at the bedpan, looked at the nurse and said, I will piss on the floor before I go in that. So hopefully that gives you a brief glimpse into the type of person my mom is. She takes no bullshit. My dad finally arrived at the hospital and then I was asked um, to leave the room. The doctor came in to see my mom shortly thereafter and it took her blood pressure. It was quite high, 220 over 190. 
Uh, yeah, that's high. And the best way they could see what was going on was to send her for a CT scan. Uh, she was able to have the scan done and very quickly, she was able to have the scan done very quickly. And it was then that they were able to see that she had in fact suffered a major hemorrhagic stroke. Approximately 75% of her brain was covered in blood. My mom was put into a chemically induced coma as the only thing that the doctors could do for her was to stop the bleeding in the brain and get her blood pressure down to the, to an acceptable level. The doctor advised my dad that people typically do not survive a stroke of this magnitude. And if my mom were to survive, she would have a very poor quality of life, would not be able to walk or speak, and suggest that my dad call in a chaplain to meet with the family. At that point, there were a number of people at the hospital, my mom's sister, grandparents, uncles, my mom's friend, etc. My dad and my aunt asked the doctor for a second opinion on my mom's prognosis and, of course, and course of treatment as they didn't feel confident in the hospital we were at. The doctor called one of the best hospitals in Toronto. We were 45 minutes out of Toronto uh, to get a second opinion. They provided the same course of treatment, keep her in the coma, stop the bleeding, and get the blood pressure down. She would likely not survive the transport if we were to take them to move, if we were to ask them to move her to Toronto. At this point, we just had to wait for the healing to begin. She was checked into the hospital and was placed on the critical care floor. My dad was able to get some special permission to stay at the hospital in her room that night as he didn't want to leave her side. The rest of us were forced to leave, and so begins the worst night of my life. I didn't hear anything during the night, which was a relief. I called the hospital at 8 a.m. the next morning to get an update. Uh, They couldn't give me one over the phone and told me that my dad would call me with an update. This was before cell phones were allowed in hospitals. My dad called not too long after and told me that my mom was awake and she was asking asking for me and my sister. At the time, I lived across the street from the hospital, so we walked over there quickly to see my mom. Because she was still critical, only two of us were allowed in her room at a time. I saw her first. I saw her first. She was awake, but her eyes were all messed up. She had a hard time speaking, but I was able to understand her. She grabbed my hand and looked at me and just kept saying, I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky. She then asked me about the dog and if the garbage got put out. It was at that moment I knew that she was going to be okay. I found out later that she had almost passed away during the first night. Her blood pressure spiked to the point that all the machines were going off. My dad uh, was freaking out. I don't know what the nurses and doctors did, but they saved her life. She spent the next two days in critical care, critical care, and was then moved to intensive care for the next 10 days. She started working with an occupational therapist to regain her speech motor skills and uh, to, to gain her speech, sorry, to regain her speech motor skills and she had to learn how to swallow again. Thank God her ga- gag reflex came back. Then on her 50th birthday, she was moved up to the rehab floor at the hospital where she spent the next two and a half months. Again, doctor's advice, she checked out of the ho- against the doctor's advice, she checked out of the hospital because she wanted to continue her treatment at home. The rehab center at the hospital wasn't really equipped to deal with people who had suffered a stroke and she needed more specialized treatment. When she came home, she couldn't be left alone. She wasn't able to stand up, dress herself, feed herself, or go to the bathroom on her own. My dad still had a job and had to work, so we arranged for a community care So we arranged for community care to come and be with her during the day. There were also a number of different therapists that were coming to the house a couple days a week. 
to help with uh, different functions. She eventually became stronger and could stand on her own. She is still completely paralyzed on the right side of her, her on the right side of her body. So she's had to learn how to function with the use of one hand. Thankfully, she fully regained her speech and her personality didn't change either, which we are so thankful for. Her shirt, sorry, her short-term memory is not that great, but she can tell you what she did 45 years ago. She can walk, not great, but she can walk however she spends her time in a wheelchair. It's been 14 years since the stroke, and we've all learned to live with the new normal. Community care still visits her only two days a week for three hours at a time. At a time, We've all worked really hard to make sure she can still enjoy the things she loves for before she had the stroke. Shopping, eating out, movies. Uh, we've only missed vacation once, once, which is the year she had the stroke. Hopefully my mom's story will help someone out there, or at least make them think twice if they suffer <laughs> from crazy nosebleeds like she did. Thanks again, Janice. By the way, did you guys know Janice means little Jan? <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't help myself. Um, wow, that's amazing. I'm glad your mom uh, survived that. That's strokes are one of the top killers. It's uh, horrible. Um, wow, that was a long time ago. I'm glad... Uh, I'm glad you guys have learned how to continue on, norm, new, nor, as you say, new normally. Um, I have a nosebleed story. I think I briefly mentioned this <clears throat> when I was in high school. I never get nosebleeds. I've had one nosebleed in my entire life. Um, it was in high school. I was going to. I got sent to a military school because I was a bad kid. I grew up here in Southern California, but I got sent to a military school in Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia, uh, near Valley Forge, to be more specific. And it's actually where J.D. Salinger, the author J.D. Salinger, went to school. And that high school, that military academy, Valley Forge Military Academy, is the basis for Pensy Prep in Catcher in the Rye. When he describes the, uh, the school the cannons and the brick walkways and stuff. That's, uh, that's my alma mater. It's also where they filmed the movie taps. If you ever saw that movie. Um, yeah. Anyway, my nosebleed, I was going to school there and I was on the track team. And one day after, uh, practice, uh, coach had us all sitting around in a circle on the, on the field. He was talking to us, I think about an upcoming meet track meet or something. And uh, my nose just started bleeding, like really bleeding, like gushing. Like I had never experienced it. You know, I had to just take my shirt off and hold my shirt under my nose uh, to stop the bleeding. Uh, went into the locker room, you know, washed my face off. I think I stuck some toilet paper up my nose. And then afterwards the coach was like, hey, can I talk to you? And I went into his office and <laughs> this is so funny. He goes... So, I just wanted to say that I know um, a lot of people get nosebleeds from cocaine <laughs> or meth. I was like, uh, yeah, that's not me. <laughs> He's like, 
you can talk to me if I'm like, no, I go, I don't know what caused this. He, my coach thought I was on Coke, (laughs) uh, which I guess makes sense for an athlete, but (laughs) I wasn't that great of an athlete. Um, so I went to the nurse, they did a bunch of tests and it turned out I had the measles fucking measles which is something we had pretty much eradicated as a society. Um, and the crazy thing is I was also vaccinated for the measles when I was a baby. And yet I still got them. In fact, uh, a handful of people at the military school got measles and they had to quarantine the school. No one could come in or go off of the school grounds for like uh, two weeks while they figured this shit out. But I was in the infirmary for like a week. And um, all I remember is I didn't have the spots. I thought, you know, I remember they did an episode of the Brady Bunch (laughs) where some of the kids got the measles. And they all, I remember they had red dots all over their face. Like the makeup department on the show put red dots because I think that's a thing. Like you get like a, a rash that looks like red dots all over you, not just red skin, but just dots. I don't even really fully know because measles, uh, I think there recently it, it came back a little bit um, because people, some people have stopped vaccinating. Ugh. That's a whole nother topic. Anyway, um, uh, but I remember it not being that bad. Like I had a little bit of a fever. I didn't feel sick at all, but they made me stay in the infirmary for a week. And um, I don't remember. I didn't have a cough. I I had nothing. I had a nosebleed and then a slight fever. But they just kept me for observation, I think. And I think the reason it didn't get bad was because I had been Im- immunized as a kid. Uh, who knows? I don't know. All I know is that it's really weird that I got the measles when I was like 16 or 17. I think I was 17. It was like my senior year or something, junior, senior year. Um, So, yeah, I had a nosebleed too, Janice. (laughs) Little little Jan. (laughs) Um, But thank you for your email. I'm uh, glad your mom is okay. Um. It's terrifying, um, and it's weird that the hospital would be like, "Oh, she probably just slept wrong." Like, just always go in. I mean, what's the worst can that can happen? Is that yes, she did sleep wrong, and you're a little embarrassed that you went to the hospital. But in your case, you go to the hospital and end up saving your mom's life. Um, the. the <laughs> It's a no-brainer um, when you're ugh, just go to the hospital and something's wrong with you. <laughs> uh, I am no doctor, though, so again, take everything I say with a grain of salt. Uh, all right, Janice, um, I'm gonna put that one away so I don't have to don't accidentally reread it. Hey, most skincare products on the shelf involve some sort of trade-off. Either they're loaded with harmful chemicals, but they work, or they manage to have clean ingredients and then do absolutely nothing for your skin. 
Well, True Botanicals believes you shouldn't have to choose between skincare that's safe and skincare that's effective. You deserve both. With the help of leading researchers from top universities, True Botanicals bottles the highest quality natural ingredients, creating luxurious formulas that are as potent as they are pure. Third-party clinical trials verify their product's efficacy. Efficacy. That's right. It's a word I just used. Their Renew Collection for Aging Skin outperformed Creme de la Mer, and their Clear Collection for Acne outperformed Proactive Plus. Proof that non-toxic skin care can not only be as effective as conventional skin care, but it can be better. And True Botanicals is the first skincare company to have its entire line certified safe for people and the planet by the nonprofit Made Safe, America's first non-toxic seal. So go to TrueBotanicals.com now to get free samples and receive $20 off orders of $40 or more off your first purchase with the code NODOCS. That's N-O-D-O-C-S. Enjoy. Um, here's one from uh, my old internet friend, Camille. We are, we are Facebook friends. And... Um, never met in real life but um we're social media buddies uh i think she emailed me on a couple of the different platforms instagram as well as uh the no docs email um so this is from camille it's just my name is in the subject always put if it's about something put that in the subject line so i re- i'm more likely to read it says, okay, I also wrote you on Instagram, but here it is again, Stephen. I am listening to your most recent podcast, and I haven't finished it yet, but it sounds exactly like what my eyes have been going through lately. This, I believe, is in regards to last week's email about my burning, dry, itchy eyes. Um, it's allergies, it seems. Of course, the screen time doesn't help, but with it, you're also sniffly which goes along with the whole allergy theory my eye doctor told me to use drops that are specifically for allergies like cysteine um, which i do have now i i did actually buy i bought a few different ones cysteine is one yes we have reached the age where we get fired up about medical maladies that's why i love your podcast because i could talk for days about this shit Anyway, I hope your eyes get better and just do the eye drops when it's a uh, high, al- high allergy day. Also, nasal spray, those two things together for me really help. Oops, I meant aloe allergy, uh, allergy eye drops. Sustain I use on the daily because I have an eye condition due to lupus. I have sustain, but it's, I don't have lupus. I, I just bought a bunch, when, whatever said, like lubricating or... Um, eye strain or dry eyes. I don't notice a huge difference between I know although I did notice that just the run of the mill visine was so so. Um shit, I don't have it in my car with me otherwise I'd say one of the other ones that I bought. Uh, it says see medical crap is my jam. Oh my god, now you're talking about your feet and it's exactly what I have been going through as well. I'm 46, so all this crap just seems to be happening at an increase in speed. Anyway, it sounds like plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis. I had to stop working out because I was on my feet all the time. 
And when I was working out, it was on a cement floor. So if I am right about any of this, you must give me a shout out, bro, or I can become your doctor. Sent from my iPhone, Camille. Oh, that's the uh, her phone signature. I, I'm sure she didn't just write sent from my iPhone. Um, I looked up plantar fasciitis, fasciitis, however you pronounce it. That's definitely not what I have. That's more, and I know someone that actually has that right now and is dealing with that and sleeping with a weird boot on her foot. But oh, I should have her on the podcast. That's what I'm going to do. Um, but that, from what I've read, mainly affects the, your heel like the area around your heel too, like your heel and maybe a little bit of your arch. Mine was literally, my foot pain was literally everywhere. Like heel, yeah, but also my arches, because I have very high arches. So if I'm standing for a long time, they they tend to start to collapse and that really hurts. But it's also, you know, the balls of my feet, the tops of my feet and it was going up my shins and calf. It was definitely from standing for too long, but sorry, I had coffee, you know, I'm getting a little bit of acid reflux, but, uh, thanks for this email, Camille. Um, yeah, just the eye drops seem to help the lubricating eye drops, um, yeah, what are you going to do? Um, here's one. Oh, this one's, I thought was really funny. The title is sniffles and it says, Hey Steve, I sent this through Instagram, but I thought I would send it here too. Had some time at work waiting on clients and made a graphic for you. Feel free to use it. Uh, love the show, Sarah. And it's a, it's just a graphic of the word sniffles. I'll put it on, uh, I'll put it on the Instagram. That's really funny. If I make t-shirts, maybe I'll make that one. If I do, I'll give you some money, Sarah, with no H. Uh, all right, I'm going to do one more and then I got to go get my, ugh. This is just one of those days where it's a lot of minor bullshit that adds up to one just stressful, annoying day. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, here's one about Lyme, which I have something else to say about Lyme that I just, uh, well, not Lyme, but tick related. Uh, it's called Lyme Disease and Treatment. It's from a listener named Lori. Hi, Steve, and sometimes busy. I live in central Texas and am the mom of two sweet and sassy girls, 11 and 8 years old. Nine years ago when my oldest was two and my hubby was on a business trip, I woke up in the middle of the night and thought I had come down with a horrible flu. High fever and intense pain. I saw, uh, I saw my doctor the next day and she didn't know what to make of it and sent me home. Said it would pass. I was extremely sick for a solid week but slowly got somewhat better. A few weeks went by and I was hit again. And again, my doctor didn't know what to do. So I moved on to another doctor. He really cared and ran every test known to man several times. All tests said was I was fine. So frustrating, more so. Even though I would get over these flare-ups, I never fully felt 100% better. Over the years, I've seen a handful of doctors. I've had, I have been told it's nothing or a virus, fibro, 
chronic exertion intolerance syndrome. Exertion intolerance syndrome. Who came up with that, Jim? And my personal fave, a personality disorder. Uh, none of which I ever believed. Those are all a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning we've run all the tests and they say you're fine. So let's call it fibromyalgia. Here, take these 45 pills to mask your symptoms. I started to piece things together one flare-up at a time. Nine years later, while I'm still frustrated, I know how to avoid things and situations that will cause a flare-up. I feel like I could write a textbook on this illness, but not what to t- but not what to title the book. Daily, I am plagued with flu-like symptoms, headaches, nerve pain, sensitivity to light, and sound. It's debilitating. My life has been stolen by this disease. Early on, I was tested for everything, and one test came back only a teeny bit positive for Lyme. My doctor said unless I had been camping in the woods with a mule deer, I wasn't likely, I w- it wasn't likely a true positive. But to be sure, we ran the test again. But it was negative. I recently read Yolanda Foster's book about her struggle with Lyme disease. As I read this book, her symptoms were freakishly similar to mine, as well as her process of doctor after doctor telling her all her labs looked great. She was fine. Then she had testing done in Europe and tested very positively for Lyme disease. <clears throat> as she as she did digging and research, she found out that our uh, CDC only recognizes a very small percent of Lyme infections. Uh, for those of you uh, who live in another country, CDC is uh, Center for Disease Control. Uh, most everyone who keeps presenting with chronic pain and crippling fatigue are diagnosed with fibromyalgia or, or chronic fatigue. <clears throat> Sorry. I did my own digging and found a wealth of information to support her story. Dozens of articles suggest that folks try Igenix Lab in California. They've been around for over a decade and are not affiliated with the uh, CDC, also not covered by my insurance. Igenix has similar testing practices to those in Europe. I got my results definitely positive for Lyme. Um, going back to the CDC, not recognizing most Lyme, uh, sorry. Sorry, I got distracted by someone right outside my window. Igenex has similar testing practices to those in Europe. I got my results. Definitely positive for Lyme. Going back to the CDC, not recognizing most Lyme markers. Doctors have very limited knowledge on the disease or worse yet, how to treat it. All my research says it's most likely too late for me to try any treatments that would result... Uh, in a hundred percent cure. However, I recently heard of a clinic in Beverly Hills called that called that does an intensive two week. However, I received, I recently heard of a clinic in Beverly Hills that does an intensive two week treatment and have had great success. Why are all these good Lyme things happening in California? The treatment is not affordable. It's a whopping $20,000, and many things anger me about Lyme disease, but the lack of treatment options for the average Joe makes my blood boil. I'm beyond thankful that we're able to get this sort of treatment for me, and I hope and pray that treatment becomes available for anyone with Lyme sooner than later. I plan on heading to the West Coast early in the new year for treatment. Wear your bug spray, folks. Lime comes from ticks and skeeters. Take your magnesium, Steve. Lori. <laughs> Thanks. I have been taking magnesium. <clears throat> um, 
Well, I'm sorry that you have to deal with that. There's nothing more frustrating than misdiagnosis or or just, yeah, not even misdiagnosis, but just uh, baffling doctors. Ugh. That's the worst. Um, I didn't know Lyme also came from mosquitoes. By the way, we have a huge mosquito problem in California right now. There's been, like... It's a huge issue, like a pressing, like, it's horrible right now. There are, there's a new strain of mosquitoes in California that are super aggressive, like way more aggressive than your average mosquito. And they come from, I think, Thailand. And they, and they got introduced to uh, California. You know, have you ever gone to a housewarming and someone will give the the person uh, as a gift. They'll give them a housewarming gift that it's like a little pot, just the size of like a bowl that you would eat cereal out of. But it's like a little decorative pot with a little stock of bamboo or two stalks of bamboo in it. These mosquitoes came over. I guess their eggs were in those. These mosquitoes came over in these plants. And um, it's now an just epidemic proportions they're every and i've noticed them i usually never notice mosquito bites i've been getting bitten so much it's insane um and uh they were saying on the news they've got only like a few months to try and eradicate this species of uh mosquitoes from california and if they can't do it in a couple months it's just something we have to live with now and as a paranoid person like myself, uh, I, I just don't want to have to worry about this shit now. Um, I was following a guy, you know, if those of you who follow me on my own private Instagram, at uh, Steve Ag, uh, I'm a photographer as well. And so I follow a lot of photography um, Instagram accounts. And... Um, one of them, there was a guy who's a really good photographer, and I noticed a lot of his photos were, seemed to be documentary style, like documenting uh, him in the hospital or doing some kind of physical therapy. And I found, he, you know, I looked at his profile, I found he had a YouTube page, and I saw him, like, post a long video explaining um, what's been happening to him lately. And he basically had a tick related illness and it wasn't Lyme. I forget what he called it. I should try and contact this guy and see if he would want to talk on the podcast. It was fascinating. He was in the hospital. He gained that he lost so much fluid and weight that then they then had to start pumping him full of fluids and they pumped him full of so much fluids that he gained like 20 pounds. He has photos of himself in the hospital. He looks like a totally different person. And, um, he just got really sick and at one point couldn't move his extremities. Like he couldn't move his arms and eventually was released from the hospital, got his weight back under control. And, um, but now he's in physical therapy and rehab because his arms don't work very well. Like one of his arms, he can't move. He can hardly move at all. It's so weird. And the other one, he can move, but there's a lot of pain in his fingers. And 
it, it's all from a fucking tick. And it's not Lyme disease. I forget what it was called. There's Jesus Christ, there's so many of these diseases, but it's a you know, a nerve related uh disease. Oh my god, this poor guy. Um but the, uh again, thank you, Lori, for that um email. Ugh. Uh, thank you for, yeah, just raising awareness about all this. It's it's just horrible. Yeah, and I'm surprised we don't have more testing and treatment for Lyme disease. It just sounds so horrible. Anyone I know that's had it or has it, I don't know if it fully goes away, um, just sounds terrible. And it's, like you said in your email, it's, it's so hard to diagnose because, you know, we don't really have a lot of testing for it. Uh, like you said, they're way more prepared for this in Europe. I don't know why it's not a thing, but I keep hearing about more and more Lyme disease-related um, problems. Sadly, but hopefully that um, leads to better treatment and diagnosis and all that stuff. Um Oh my God, it's been, uh, sorry, it's so bright in this car. <laughs> it's so bright in this car that I'm recording a podcast in. Uh, all right, so we're at about 55 minutes. That's a that's a goodie. Um, I have to quickly turn this off and run and switch my cars out and then, I mean, drop off this rental and get my car back and then upload this. Oh my God. Oh my God, there's not enough hours in this day. Uh, little development. I did talk to Busy yesterday, and I think we're going to try and record an episode tomorrow. So hopefully next week we'll have one with Busy. Hopefully, fingers crossed. If not, I have a few other guests lined up. Uh, thank you guys for listening and continuing to support this, podca- support this podcast. You're the best. Um, please stay healthy and happy and have a great week. Bye. It's a good show.